We return to Hebrews chapter 11 this morning at verse 5. Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Father, the words of study this morning are familiar to us, at least concerning the impossibility of pleasure, your pleasure, apart from faith. Help us as we attach those words of instruction and principle to the life of this man named Enoch, of whom very little is said in the scriptural record, and yet we understand that he played large in his community and among his family and friends, and that above all, he was a man of certainty concerning relationship with you, so much so that you decided to just take him on his walk and have him be no more. And so we pray today that as we seek to appropriate his testimony, that you would open the hearts and minds of your people to the glories of thy truth. And for that we will praise you in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Enoch lived 365 years a year for every day of one year. His son set the longevity record for physical life on earth at 969 years. His great-grandson found grace in the eyes of the Lord at the time that God destroyed the earth by a flood. His mention in the Old Testament is validated by two brief New Testament references of Scripture, one of which is here, Hebrews 11, another in Jude 14 to 16. One day, the man Enoch was walking with God as usual and came up missing. There was no FBI division of missing persons to call, but apparently his sons and daughters knew what had happened to him. He had bypassed physical death and was transferred or translated into the presence of God. The end of Enoch was unusually glorious 
and noteworthy. The Greek word in our text of Hebrews 11 concerning his translation simply means to be carried off in hand. And so it's as if God and Enoch started out their day on a particular day after 365 years walking together, and uh, at a given point in time, God just walked off with them, just carried them away. And as a result of that, there are two men, Enoch and Elijah, that we associate as having for human beings, experience most unusual, so far only matching the experience of our resurrected Lord Jesus. And that is to stand before God in a transformed body without having experienced death. Enoch and Elijah have been ushered into the presence of God and have gone through the transformation of their body so that it is indeed eternally equipped for life in eternity in the flesh. And that has happened to them already. It's a phenomenal thing. And yet that is not, that is not, that is not the point of preaching emphasis in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. It is the earthly life experience of Enoch that serves us this morning as the second example of a living and enduring faith, as is the point of all of the testimonies in Hebrews chapter 11, as set up by Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. The first example of living faith, Adam's son Abel, lives so as to please God and as a result demonstrates to us the heart of righteous worship. Enoch, our second example of living faith, lives so as to please God and as a result teaches us what it means to walk with God. His end was glorious, but his earthly life experience is instructive to us all. Abel was among the second generation after Adam. Enoch was among the seventh generation after Adam. The name Enoch means dedicated one, and the record of his life confirms that he lived up to that spiritual name. I want us to read everything the Bible has to say about the man. Won't take us long, but nonetheless, let's read Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. In the Old Testament, here are the only words of Scripture concerning Enoch. Genesis 5, 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. After he begat Methuselah, three hundred years, and begot sons and daughters. He was sixty-five when uh, he had to his home born the son, Methuselah, who holds the re- longevity record of the Bible, Methuselah having lived, in, lived uh, 969 years. Methuselah, whose name is a prophecy that translates 
after he is, so be it. Methuselah's name means after he is, so be it. And in the year that Methuselah died, the great floodwaters covered the earth. After he was, so be it. Nonetheless, uh, after 300 more years of daughters and sons being born, all along the way, Enoch walking with God, verse 23 says, And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not. And if you notice the aspect of the fact that the verb there is in italics in the English text, giving you indication uh, that it's not there, it simply says he walked with God and he not. For God took him, carried him off and away. God took him by the hand and led him to the other side. It's quite an amazing thing to think about in that regard. Then flip almost to the other extreme end of your Bible, not quite the Revelation, but one book before, Jude. Enoch's mentioned at the beginning of the Bible. Enoch's mentioned at the end of the Bible. Jude, chapter 1, there's only one, and verses 14, and we'll read through 16a, and you'll understand why the 16a part when we get to it. But Jude tells us a little more about Enoch. In fact, it tells us things that we would have never known about him had Jude not written this. Jude 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these. Who? False teachers. False speakers. False individuals who lie and represent things on the world or in the world contrary to the truth of God. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him, these are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, or if you will, walking in their own way, which Jude says previously is indeed the way of Cain. People that live in their own way and stamp God's name on what is their agenda are the very people that Enoch prophesied about by way of warning and speaking, as it were, of their coming judgment by nature of their lacking correct attitude towards God. Ungodliness, ungodliness. It's as if Jude really liked that word right there, didn't it? He said it and said it and said it and said it. And again, ungodliness has to do with one's attitude towards God. The, the, the problem with these individuals is that they really do not stand with a correct attitude towards God. What is the beginning of correct attitude towards God? The fear 
of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Godliness begins with the fear of the Lord. Those that are ungodly have no fear of God. They just go about doing things and asking all kinds of people to join them. So that's it. That's all there is. Just read you everything uh, the Bible had to say about it. Uh, when, you, when you speak to somebody this week, your family, your friends, you say, so what did you, what did you do on Sunday? You say, well, Carisi, uh, pastor, he read everything the Bible has to say about Enoch in one service. He read everything the Bible has to say about Enoch in one service. You can say that because I just did it. Everything the Bible has to say. And in some ways, I'd be inclined to say not much. But in another way, Wow. We find out by comparing Scripture with Scripture that Enoch walked with God when many people did not. We find out as a result that he was not only one that walked with God, but he was a preacher to sinners. And he was a pleasure, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, to the Almighty Sovereign One. Without the two New Testament verse commentary found in Hebrews 11 and the two verses of Jude, we would likely read right over the life of Enoch as being no big deal. But the four New Testament verses confirm that his earthly experience is worthy of our contemplation. He is a man that has attached to his life a singular fact, and that fact is that he pleased God. And the way that he pleased God was by walking with God. Very simple and yet very profound. I would remind you that walking with God is the single most used metaphor in all the scripture for relational interaction with God. For those of us so walking today, it involves listening to God's word, and communicating with God in prayer. It involves living as Christ lived. In the beginning, walking with God was much more physical and literal as you and I would take a walk today. Adam and Eve experienced in the garden uh, was certainly different from our exact experience today. And I would say, based upon the timing of Enoch's life, that Enoch's experience would have been much closer to the actual experience of Adam and Eve than to ours. And yet, that said, you and I, in this generation, with the Word of God in our hands, the Spirit of God in our hearts, and the lifting of prayer before God with a guarantee of answer and being heard, we are told to walk in the newness of life. We are told to walk in the spirit, to walk in truth, to walk in wisdom, to walk in Christ, to walk in the light, to walk by faith, to walk honestly, to walk circumspectly, to walk worthily of God, to walk after God, to walk with God. All New Testament exhortations for us, concerning our living and enduring faith. 
living and enduring faith is evident by one's walk with God. What exactly does Enoch teach us about walking with God in faith, living faith, is what makes pleasing God possible. Without it, says the scripture here, a person has no power, a person has no ability regarding God's pleasure. It's impossible, says the scripture, to please God apart from faith. These two verses in Hebrews 11, along with the statement of Jude 14 and 15, allows us to use the life experience of Enoch to build a sevenfold description of what it means to walk with God. And so with seven points to my sermon and the normal time allotted, I either have to say to you, A, hang on, we're going to go quick, or B, I hope you brought your lunch. We'll go quick. Number one, you must, as Enoch, believe God, and you must believe in the God who actually exists. You must believe that God is, and you must believe all that he is. All scholars agree that there is more to the phrase, believe that he is, than just a simple acknowledgement of the existence of God. After all, Scripture assigns anyone denying the existence of God uh, in the category of a fool. The phrase needs to be viewed in the light of the self-revealing name of God to Moses of Exodus chapter 3, I am, which translates into the name of God, Yahweh. Faith in God who actually exists is required of all those that please him. God isn't pleased by faith in idols. God is not pleased by your faith in the God of your imagination. If there was a single way to state the error of modern Christianity, that would be it. The whole idea, as forwarded popularistically, that somehow God gets us. First of all, duh. And secondly, God is not the God as I think of him. God is the God who is. God is to be believed in as he is. Christ is to be believed in as he is. Just had a conversation with one of our members in between the two sessions in which the grappling of a testimony in which a person proposes themselves to be a Christian and yet everything in their life, including their speech, defies that reality. Well, listen, it's not hard to say they're not a Christian as the Bible talks about being a Christian. You're not a Christian because you say you're a Christian. You're not God's because you say you're God's. Faith is in the God who is. We would say it around here, the God of the Bible. Faith must be exercised In the God who is, not in the God of Hollywood's imagination, not in the God of some weak Christian's imagination. God is not made in our image. Man has been made in his. 
This is where walking with God begins. It begins with faith that God is. More to it than that, but that's where it begins. Secondly, walking means that like Enoch, you and I seek God's reward, approaching Him with desire frequently. Enoch came to God with loving desire and came to God with loving desire and came to God with loving desire. How do we know? Because without such seeking, God cannot be pleased. And the scripture says Enoch pleased God. Enoch didn't just come to God when he was in trouble. He sought God throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the season. The words diligently seek literally mean to approach out of zeal. We would use the word enthusiasm. That Enoch approached God with enthusiasm, with zeal of personal desire. Enoch was zealous for God. He wanted God. He wanted God as God is. He wanted God knowing that God was indeed the ultimate giver. Walking means seeking God's reward, approaching him with loving desire frequently. Number three, like Enoch, walking means enjoying regular times of communion and fellowship with God. There is a distinction to be made between companionship and fellowship. It's the difference between God and a dog. Many people talk about their dog in higher terms of appreciation than what they talk about God. Well, let me tell you about a dog. A dog, in fact, can be, for you, a companion of sorts. Not bad to have a dog. It's not a bad thing to walk the dog. And, in fact, if you have a dog... I would strongly encourage you to walk the dog because indeed God made the dog for walking and running and chewing and all the rest of it. You can take a walk with a dog but not walk with a dog in any sense of fellowship. You can have a sense of companionship with a dog and there are many people that say, you know, my dog listens to me better than my family. Well, the truth of the matter is, your dog doesn't listen to you at all. That's why you think the dog listens to you better than your family. Because the dog doesn't understand anything you're saying, except those routine things that you say to them over and over again that become a part of their uh, instinctual response. The reality is, you can have a sense of companionship with a dog, you cannot have companion, I mean, you cannot have communion with a dog. If you think about marriage, Eve was created to be a suitable helper to Adam. She fit Adam in a way that no bird could, in a way that no fish could, in a way that no beast could. 
Likewise, both Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, which means, in part, they were made to fit with God. There is an empty void, an empty spiritual gnaw in the heart of every person until that void, until that gnaw is satisfied by God. And it cannot be satisfied by any dog, and it cannot be satisfied by any other human being. It must be satisfied by God, or it will not be satisfied at all. Enoch found satisfaction in this world by walking with God. Communion and fellowship with God. Number four, Enoch lived distinctively apart from the sinful world around him. And walking with God has always meant walking and living distinctly apart from the sinful world around you. Enoch lived at a time when the vast majority of people could care less about God. You and I, because of what's happened in America over the last 200 plus years, you and I are inclined to think that things have never been worse on the earth than what they are right now. It's just categorically not true. There was a time before God destroyed the earth when it was far, far, far much worse than it is even right now. Enoch, bless his pea-picking heart, lived at a time uh, when the vast majority of people on the earth could care less about God. Billions of people died in the worldwide flood resisting the invitation to get on the ark of God's provision because they could care less about God the creator. The Jude text helps us to see the ungodly people were distinguished by their unbelief and sinful practice and that they were all around Enoch so much so that Enoch prophesied and told the truth, the revelatory truth of God. It would be the first revelatory truth of God concerning ultimate judgment as specifically prescribed as recorded in the Bible. And that would be Jude telling us that Enoch prophesied concerning God's judgment on the unregenerate. He did not reflect the zeitgeist. He did not reflect the spirit of his generation. Enoch walked with God. He lived in those days just prior to his grandson Noah when the earth was described as greatly wicked. Many of the people destroyed in the flood were kin to those among whom Enoch lived. Enoch lived 365 years among a sinful people, and yet he was not of them. We too ought to live among the world, but not be of the world. Enoch walked with God. Number five, Enoch's walk with God instructs our walking with God in that 
he progressed in spiritual knowledge and grace. It is impossible to walk with God and not learn and grow. It is impossible to walk with God and not learn and grow. Progression in our life spiritually is always dependent upon walking with God. Holy hiking, we might call it. Holy hiking is instructional and it is indeed life-altering. There is no walk you ever take more important to your life than walking with God. Number six, Enoch's walking with God instructs you and I in the truth that telling the truth to others is indeed the responsibility of one who so walks regardless of results around them. The Jude text helps us to see that Enoch was a messenger of truth to his generation. There is no record of response to his witness, but in the big picture, it certainly did very little to stem the tide of ungodliness. But the steward of God is rewarded according to his faithfulness, not his success, as men count success. The last time that I was associated uh, with any kind of public ministry in which men would attribute success was all the way back in the 1980s. My public ministry for years and years and years now has not been marked or matched by any sense of public success. Boo-hoo? Oh, no. You see, the steward of God is only judged by God based upon his faithfulness to communicate the truth of God, not upon the response of the people. Enoch walked with God. He spoke the truth of God to his generation and thereby lived and did not die, pleasing God. The greatest thing to anticipate as you and I meet the Lord is the expression of the Lord's own pleasure in that moment of real time ahead for having walked with God. I will not be judged by the church membership or the church attendance. I will be judged by the faithfulness of my lips and heart to this book, the B-I-B-L-E. That is God's basis of judgment. Enoch, me, you, every one of us. And so just maybe, just maybe, rather than worrying about your popularity, you might want to give an ounce of consideration concerning God's truth. More important that your family think you well and happy and loving is that your family knows you are one who represents to them the truth. 
lovingly the truth. Oh, that God would help us to appreciate the pleasure of God in his own truth as given to us. There's satisfaction, there is satisfaction in telling the truth of God, regardless of response. And then number seven, walking means that like Enoch, you and I continue to trust God regardless of circumstance until he carries you off. After 365 years of walking with God, God brought Enoch out. He escaped dying and was raptured into the presence of God. Is it not possible that after the 365 days of this year, God may well bring us out? Rapture is a distinct possibility for the child of God even today. Until that day, we, either by dying or rapture, will stand before God present. We must continue to trust God regardless of our earthly circumstances. And when we do trust God, regardless of our earthly circumstances, the Bible assures us we please God. May you and I bring a smile to the heart of God this very day. It's kind of amazing that if you ask people if they know the Lord, if they're saved, if they know they're going to heaven, many will say yes. And then if you ask the same people if they believe that God is pleased with them, many will say, I'm not sure, or I don't know. And the question would be asked, why is that? And the practical answer is simply this. Confidence in God's pleasure comes only to those that walk with God in the light of what he has actually said. Without living faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith in Christ is a living thing. Faith in Christ is an enduring thing. Thoughts just exactly like those made a huge impression upon a 15-year-old teenager's heart back in the day. And this verse of Scripture became his life motto. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because... These days, the Bible says the days, but I say these days are evil. Oh, that we would walk with God. Father, this morning, impress these